0: All right, what's happening in text messages?
1: Okay, so Vincent simply texts a very simple text message, hashtag, hashtag cancel Netflix. <laughs> Go, Vincent. <laughs> uh, let me see. Chris says, curiously, Netflix banned Gone With The Wind. Why? Uh, because of uh, BLM. Very.
0: Oh, because they probably like said the N word or something. Uh, yep. Yeah.
1: The, the band Gone With The Wind.
0: Anyway. That's like people banning like Huckleberry Finn and like Little House on the Prairie and stuff banning history because they're like, yeah.
1: But it's just, but it doesn't make but any sense. It doesn't make this, any sense. You yeah. put it in the con, you put it in the in contrast with this other trash that they're putting out yeah. there. Um, then we've got here Braden who says I was contemplating getting Netflix to watch the Inspiration Four documentary, but after hearing that, no more. Yeah, very interesting that the LGB community think that this is a good thing. It proves a lot they need our prayer more than ever. I mm. also want to say that I feel blessed to be allowed to live in a time when God is going to move in miraculous ways. Wow! Sure, it will be tough, but God is good. Amen. Yes, great That's text message there, man. Braden. Fantastic stuff. Thank you for sending that one through. Darren has this one. He says, well done, Byron. Well done to his parents who are raising such, a, raising such an awesome young man. Mm. Absolutely, could we, not agree more. We were having you know, a conversation. the contrast, yeah, that's the great. contrast between a kid here who is raised in a normal environment, mm. you know, and the positivity uh, that he is sharing with the world with his classmates. It just shines oh. through, doesn't it? You mean you, the, the, from from one conversation to the next, you could not draw a, a, a more stark contrast. Than you see.
0: That. Um, because this is something we were talking about off-air is, is normalization a good thing? And you see here, yeah, it's normal versus normalization. Yes. It's like, are we going to, you know, take... Like, and this is the thing, you know, we we say as Christians, oh, we, you know, can we just, like, see so clearly that the Bible is right and that it's so good, and, and if we normalize the morals of the Bible, like, that life would be so much better. But it's even, like, further than the Bible. It's like, any any secular person can agree, like, oh, the laws of Australia, which are founded on, like, and it sound like Jordan Peterson here, but Judeo-Christian morals and principles, like, are successful yes. and lead to goodness and happiness. And it's That's like, right. how about we keep normalizing that? Well, we will just not normalizing, staying normal yes. rather than trying to normalize. Um, like brokenness. Brokenness and everything that comes along with that. Like, why are we make take trying to take the active stance to say that, like, And this is a conversation we had off air of like, you know, often what they try to do is normalize things so that people can accept themselves, but it's like, should, should we accept brokenness or should we go to Jesus and let him take it from us? Like it's, it's, it's really, yeah. There
1: are a lot of people who are highly critical of Christianity these days because Christianity has morals. Mm. And they're like, "Oh, you always trying to talk about sin and why do Christians talk about sin all the time? Why do you make up, you know, this is sin and this is that is sin? You know, why don't you just have free for all and everybody do what they want and mm. just stay out of everybody's business?" Okay. If that's your position, then listen to the last two segments we've had here on Netflix and contrast somebody, a kid. Yeah, that's right. Who's 15 years old and has been raised with morals. Mm. Mm-hmm. And a sense of what sin is, and there's some things that you don't do. Contrast that with what the world is trying to normalize right now, that's right. and ask me which kind of a world, which kind of a universe you would prefer to live in.
0: That's that's ultimate. It's so true, right? It's like okay, well, let's just let's just weigh it up pound for pound. It's like, let's just you know, it's it's yeah. Anyways,
1: okay. Uh, let me just see here. More text message coming through. What's Freco got to say? I worked with the government with uh, YACS about 30 years ago. Netflix is. Bring out into the open what was happening back then. It's Satan raising his ugly head. Indeed, that is very true. Um, and we had quite a conversation about that um, off air as well. We've had quite the conversation off air. <laughs> okay, going back to. Okay, so this, this one came through early in the show. I wonder how many people are still suffering the after effects of lead. Petrol, some industries keep destroying health in the name of benefiting society. Then Netflix, okay, here we go. The program you mentioned is really what Satan wants the whole world to behave like. That's a fact. And he achieved it just prior to the flood. That's also a fact. God had to destroy the world and start again with eight people. None of us know what's happening behind closed doors. Soon the Holy Spirit will be withdrawn from from the earth. I can't even imagine what pure evil will look like. Then it will make Netflix look like kindergarten. Yeah, wow. And then finally we have uh, Raphael coming through with this one right here. He says, well done, Byron. Amazing what can happen when you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Mm. You are an inspiration to all young people who will follow in your steps. Maybe maybe you should run Zoom classes to teach <laughs> those who want to do the same in their schools. That is text message of the day. I'm going to give that yeah. one text message of the day right there because I think this kid needs to be out there um, sharing what he's doing so that it can be multiplied across schools mm. right across this country we need to see much much more of this taking place it is such a good and positive story mm. that uh, Byron Tolhurst brought us there um, it's interview of the month
0: i think like one of the things that he said that was just so powerful and so relevant was and and we talked about this like the, the you don't need you know the experience yeah just do it
1: obviously god values our diligence to study that's right we have a responsibility to study but because you just but just because you haven't studied, don't hold back.
0: That's right. And it, it, dude, this ultimate it gave me the biggest like flashback. Throwback to the first Bible study I ever gave in my life, which was I was I'd been a Christian for one month. <laughs> yes. I, I'd just been baptized. Yes. I went to arise. I'd done three weeks of arise. They sent us out on the doors. I'm knocking on doors and I get this lady, she comes to the door. I'm like, "Hey, do you want to do a Bible study?" And I have a conversation with her. She's like, "Yeah, sure." Um and I tell her, you know, I'm an uh, I'm an Adventist. She's like, "Well, I'm really curious about the Adventist health laws and you know, what, what are you guys' opinions on health are?" And I'm like, "Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll like tell you what my opinion, you know, like I'll show you what the Bible says about health, like and because I was, you know, what I was going through and so uh and she asked me. She was like, "Hey, can I bring my brother along?" He is, you know, um, like, you know, involved in the church and different things. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I go back, I spend the week making my Bible study. I'm like, oh, look <laughs> at all these verses. They flow together. Like, this is so epic, so awesome. Like, you know, it shows so clearly like what God's ideals are and how much we can be benefited by good health. And I went to this Bible study. I actually went with a pastor as well. We sat down for the Bible study and uh, this woman and her, her brother is there. And we sit down. And I'm like, open up the Bible, get three verses in. I think I'm like killing it. And he's like, wow, th- th- this dude who's there, he's like, wow, that's really interesting. But have you ever thought about this? And it turns out that this guy was a Pentecostal theologian who who taught hermeneutics and prophecy at the local Pentecostal university. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes on for the next hour to recite his thesis about dispensationalism, about the secret rapture, the second coming. And I'm like a brand new Christian. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I have like, no wow. idea. And he sounds really smart. And because, you know, he's teaching people. And I'm like, man, like, what is this? And I literally I just walked out there with my tail between my legs. Like, you know, what could I have I said? Like, I, it kind of just got to the so point. So what
1: was the motivation of the the, of the woman in having you come... Did she really want to hear it? Or did she I guess want she to get just her wanted to shut, shut me down. <laughs> like, you,
0: yeah. this is the thing. The woman was like, oh, you know, I, I get Adventist literature. I think it's really good, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. Anyway, dude kind of shut me down because I was just like, didn't know what to do. But what that started in my life was... Like, I wish I could meet that guy again because I could shut him down because it motivated me to study. Like, it really... And it set up a precinct in my life where I can... I do Bible studies with people from other Christian faiths and can prove to them from the Bible that, you know, what what this is saying to me is like, you know, the, 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 the Word of God is so clear. And and that's because of this first Bible study that I had that where I was really challenged. I was completely out of my depth. Uh, but God worked through that situation to grow me as a person and to really increase my knowledge. Yeah, You're listening to Faith FM, positively different
1: radio. Great experience there, Lawson. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that testimony. <laughs> Let's jump into Matthew chapter 24 right now. I am so excited about this week's Bible study. We we're we in to, Revelation. We, we get to study all my favorite passages. We were in Revelation, now we're in Matthew 24. Oh, mate, it's just, this is the highlights reel so, right here. <laughs> it is, it is, absolutely. We are just uh, getting all the best stuff. Okay, so Matthew chapter 24, uh, where do we start? Hey, um, well, our Bible study says we're supposed to start in verse 4. So why don't we start in the correct place? Verse one. Yes. <laughs> Indeed.
0: Okay. First one. Matthew twenty four. actually dude, I've done a couple of Bible studies out of Matthew twenty four just in the last couple of weeks. So I'm like I'm like go I'm for go, it. I've got this down. Let's you are, go. You are, right. you are set ready to go. Okay, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left atop another. Later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and his disciples came to him privately and said Tell us, when will all these things happen and what will be the sign of your return
1: and the end of the age? All right, let's stop there for a moment. The disciples are showing off the temple. Yeah. It is the pride of the Jewish nation. Mm. It is the center of the second largest economy in the world at mm. that time. It dominates the city of Jerusalem. It's almost bigger than the city of Jerusalem itself. I yeah. mean, this is, a, this is a structure that by, by today's standards... Would be absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Uh, if you go to Jerusalem today, you notice that Jerusalem is dominated by the Temple Mount, which is you know a huge flat area that has been built up with a reinforcing you know wall around it, a retaining wall I should say around it. And on that is a shrine called the the Dome of the Rock mm. and the Al Aqsa Mosque. This is you know on the side of where the temple used to be, and the the, the Dome of the Rock that is right there is a spectacular building. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just dominates the skyline. You're up there on the Mount of Olives and there is this massive uh, temple area with this just enormous shrine sitting on top of it. And it's only about – it's less than a third the size. Wow. It's less than a third the height. Wow. Of what the temple was. Mm. And so – You'd almost not even be able to see the city of Jerusalem if the original mm. one was still there. You, you know what it me, which is
0: which is so interesting. Is like people often make the point, and this might be a bit of a side tangent, but people often make the point. They're like, they're like, oh, you know, the Bible, like everything just happens in in Jerusalem and Israel. Why? And it's like because it was a pretty legit place. Oh yeah, absolutely. like if anything was going to go down, it was going to be in. In Jerusalem, like, yes, th- we're talking about yeah. One of the the temple was one of the 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 big wonders of the world. It was, as you said, the second biggest economy in the Roman Empire, in the it will be pretty much the world. Um,
1: this is where things were moving and shaking and happening. And Jerusalem itself was a brute of a fortress. It was a fortress city. Mm. It was an incredibly powerful city. You know, there's a reason why when you go to the city of Rome today, there is. A, uh, a structure called the Arch of Titus mm. that he built to commemorate the victory over the Jews because it was such a hard fought victory mm. it was so hard for you know the Roman Empire to take on one city yeah you know this is this is uh, yeah this is okay so the disciples are showing it off and Jesus turns around and says, yeah, yeah you know what there's coming a time when every single stone will be thrown down that's like the least Jewish thing anyone could have
0: ever said. Pretty much. like
1: the most unpatriotic Jew. Okay, and because of that, the disciples come to a conclusion in their minds. They immediately conclude something in their minds, and that is that this particular building, if it's going to be, if every stone is going to be thrown down, like that's something that, you know, the Jews would never ever even think about, contemplate, um, the only reason that that would ever happen is that it was the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, how else could it happen? I mean, it's just too big of a building. It's too much of a fortress. Um, it is too wealthy. It is too strong. It is too powerful. And uh, Jesus wouldn't prophesy anything else about you know this building, which is central to their worship, unless it was the end of the world. So they assume, mm. oh, okay, Jesus is talking about the end of the world. So they go on to ask a number of questions what are the questions that they ask
0: um so they say tell us when this will happen and what will be the sign what sign will signal the return um your return and the end of the world so that's the question that they ask right what are the signs yes essentially yes and then at that point Jesus responds in verse 4 indeed and he starts telling them what they are he does indeed all right so let's go to verse 4 all right in verse 4 the bible says jesus told them don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes, and many parts of the world. Um, oh, man, they left it. They left one of the things... NLT classic right here. They left out pestilences. Come on, guys. Um, here we go. Uh, but then it continues on in verse 8. It says, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come.
1: Um, nah, let's stop there. Let's stop there. Yeah. So many good things to talk about. All right. Where, where do we start? What are the first signs of the times? Um, deception. Many will come and say in my name and say, I am the Messiah. Yes. And uh, the word Messiah here means anointed one. mm. And so how many people are there around the world who are saying, I'm anointed? Because a lot of people are looking for people who claim to be Jesus Christ and they are somewhat rare and a bit more obscure. Mm. And they don't have huge followings. Mm. But are there people in the world who are claiming to be anointed? Mate, you just need to head on
0: over to Africa. Nigeria. Every- Nigeria. Every second church worker is a prophet slash apostle in in, in Africa. It's true. Like- and the U.S. is not far behind it. Oh, Oh, man, it's some of the things we were talking
1: about. Like, we were talking about Kenneth Copeland last week and when he, on oh, the communion service. And he cuts his own hand, pours his own blood into the communion cup and then drinks it. Oh,
0: <laughs> so gross. It's not just gross. It's, it's like,
1: blasphemous. That is absolutely mixing your blood with the symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's right. That is just. Unbelievably blasphemous, and yet th- these people have huge followings. And it comes from
0: the perspective, like, and, and their th- theology is that, yeah, I'm 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 just like Christ, like I'm anointed like him. I'm yep. I'm God's man. Mm-hmm. Like that's exactly why they would do it.
1: Yep, many shall come in my name saying, "I am anointed." Hmm, that's what it says. Mm. And shall deceive many. There is a massive amount of deception in the world today. And I just want to tell you this: you're not going to find. Uh, You're not going to find safety from deception in a church or in a pastor or in a person or in an organization. You are only going to find safety from deception by knowing your Bible, knowing inside out, back to front, and upside down, because when you know what the Bible says, you know what the truth is, and we need to become students of the Bible, else we are going to be deceived. The Bible says these deceptions will be so powerful that they will deceive, if possible, the very elect. Wow. All right, let's go to – let's let's work our way on down through here. What was missing from yours? There was something missing from yeah, yours. Yeah,
0: it's because it says here um, – well, because the next one in verse 6 is wars and threats of wars. Yes. Um, but then after that, where my Bible says nation will go against nation and kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts. In the, in the original, it says famines, pestilences, or diseases and earthquakes. Yours left out COVID. Yeah, that's right. This is the anti-COVID translation. <laughs>
1: what is up with your bible <laughs> the anti-covid conspiracy theorists that, translate that one that's right that's this is this is what this is it's like
0: covid can't be real because it doesn't say it in the signs of the time okay that's 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 a joke right. that's a joke right. I d- okay we need to like that was heresy and
1: it was a joke <laughs> we need to focus we, we need to-, to, to seriously what the bible says okay so seriously the bible says nation will rise against nation mm. Okay, first of all there will be wars and rumours of wars. Do we have wars and rumours of wars? Yes, there's major news stories this morning about the uh supposed impending cold war that is being launched by the um the the, the new alliance between uh, Great Britain, United States and Australia. Mm. Uh, and all the tensions it's creating in of course, you know, Asia, where you've got China and you've got North Korea and places like this that are kind of in our backyard as Australia. And as Australia, we're buying 10 nuclear submarines and that's kind of, you know,
0: wars and rumours of wars right <laughs> yeah. there. But even even though, even so, like wars and rumours of wars, the thing about these signs that I find interesting is that all of them have existed. Before, That's right. Deception, famine, earthquakes, yes. diseases, all of always these things existed. have always existed. You know, we have yes. the earliest record of, of, of you know, famine from the, the from the era of Abraham, you know, right. and, and the era of Joseph. Like, these things have always happened. But, dude, like when we talk about wars, like the 20th and the 21st century combined
1: is the single most bloody period in human history. Well, you know, okay, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this because it's going to be cool. Um, because you just got me, you just triggered my history <laughs> buttons. But anyway. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe
0: Podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
1: Okay, so Ravi an interesting text message through. This is about the first Bible study he went to. He says, uh, my first Bible study was my brother, his wife, the Bible worker who brought us to the faith, my wife and myself. With the best friend of my brother who was trying to, uh, to reach and his priest, who was a Jesuit priest. So this is an interesting. Small group. That sounds like a joke. That's like
0: a da 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 da. Walks into a bar. <laughs> yeah,
1: it does, it does. Everybody's everybody's here. Okay, interesting. The first thing that the Jesuit said was, "You can't believe uh, the Bible, and especially the Ten Commandments." Off. What was more interesting were his finer words. I have all your names. I will remember all of you. That was thirty-five years ago. That's a bit chilling. that's that's a a way that's a way not to keep somebody in the faith yeah wow threaten them particularly when you're living in a free country
0: that's intense
1: very intense anyway um let's get back to our bible study and let me just make sure i've got i've got some other messages coming through here yep i think we're all good okay so let's get back to our bible study we were talking we finished off talking about war Yes. Okay, think about this. Go back two hundred years. Yeah. Napoleonic Wars. Uh-huh. Right? Um All you would need, you know and, and in the Napoleonic Wars, you could pitch Alexander the Great's army against the Napoleonic Wars and it would be a very close run thing. Uh-huh.
0: Well, it's like they had cannons by then though.
1: Yeah, they did. They had cannons and they had and they had uh muskets. Uh-huh. Uh but the reason that they were using muskets rather than uh bows and arrows and so forth, was not because the muskets were a superior weapon, but they were easier to train.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So the the bow and arrow had a much longer range, it had more power, it had more accuracy, and it had an incredibly high rate of fire compared to a musket. A musket, yeah. But a musket you could teach somebody to um, use a musket in you know five weeks and they'd be very, very proficient with it, whereas to build up the muscle strength to be able to draw a 200-pound bow is going to take you... Years. Yeah. Literally. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that's why warfare went that particular direction. And that's why you could take, you know, the Macedonian army of Alexander the Great and pitch it against the Duke of Wellington and possibly win that battle. Mm. Because nothing had changed in two and a half thousand years. Yeah. Well, not, not significantly yeah. enough. Mm. Hadn't changed significantly enough. So uh, then you come down from there, let's move for 100 years forward. Come to the Second World War and all you need to defeat the Duke of Wellington or Napoleon, whoever side you want to take, is one machine gun company Yeah, and enough ammunition. Mm-hmm. That's 100 years later. Come down 25 years later. All you need to defeat your opponent in the Second World War is 11 men crewing one bomber. Mm. That's all you need. Yeah, wow. In the second, yeah, you know, that's all you need. Now you come down to where we are today and you know, we Don't are Don't need foreign. any man. <laughs> we are fight you've got you you're basically looking at the future is drones versus clones. Mm. That's the reality of the future that we're looking at. Russia is working on clones, America is working on drones and you know, you fight wars from your office desk. Dude, that's literally Star Wars.
0: Yeah. It's literally the clone wars, bro.
1: It is right there. It is right there. Um, and this is, you know, uh, reality copying art. Mm. And we see it happening over and over and over again. And so when you talk about wars and rumours of wars, have things changed? Have wars always been there? Yes. Mm. Have things changed? Yes. Dramatically. Wow. Dramatically. mm. Okay, so we continue on in Matthew chapter 24. We looked at wars and rumors of wars. We looked at diseases. We're in the middle of a pandemic right now. Uh We looked at earthquakes in diverse places. The Bible talks about those famines. And, of course, pestilences doesn't just include diseases. It also includes plagues. Mm -hmm. And we're in the middle of our second mouse plague, which is starting to gear up right now in our own backyard. Mm Mm-hmm. So we need to be thinking about all of these things as we look at this particular passage here. And as you say, all of these things have always existed, which is why you have verse 8. Give us verse 8. But in verse 8 it says, But all
0: of, uh, uh, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come.
1: Okay, so when the Bible describes it as the first of the birth pains, the Bible is adding information. Mm. And so when birth pains begin... Let me share with you what birth pains are like. (laughs) Oh, do you know from personal experience, Lyle? Yes. (laughs) I've watched them.
0: Oh, you've watched them. Twice. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, First of all, they start off kind of far apart, and then they get closer and closer and closer together. Mm. Then, first of all, they start off quite mild, and they get more and more and more severe. Mm. And thirdly, once they start, you can't stop them. Mm. The end result is inevitable. Yes. You're going to go through pain to a blessed experience. Yes. And so what Jesus is saying is not when you see these things happening, when you see these things escalating, mm. when they start getting closer and closer together, when they start getting more and more severe, mm. then you know you are in the birth pains and you can take any of the signs of the times and they form a, form a very, very steep J curve. Yeah. In the last 100, 150, at the max 200 years. Mm. A very very steep J curve going up, showing that yes, we are living in the birth pains right now. They are getting closer together. They are getting more severe. Jesus is coming back soon. We are going to go through pain to a blessed event. Mm. That's what I love about this because you know we just uh, a couple of months ago became grandparents, which was pretty awesome. Mm. And you know you 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 see the uh, the look of pure joy and pure love that. You know, our, uh, our, our kids have on their face when their, their little baby was born. Mm. And so much of that pain is just forgotten and fades so quickly. And you have parents who go around and do it again.
0: <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> and <it> again.
1: <laughs> Why? Because the pain, the memory of the pain fades in the joy and the love that comes afterwards. Mm. And that joy and love makes the memory, makes the pain so worthwhile. And so some people read this passage and they freak out over it and it's like, oh, we don't want to live through all of this. Mm. But we've got to remember the joy that is coming, the light that there is at the end of the tunnel, the promise of the return of Christ, mm. the hope that is given to us. All right, let's... Uh, oh. Uh, Our Bible study, I just want to do the whole chapter, but anyway. Our Bible study says verse 23. Let's go down to verse 23. In verse
0: 23 it says, Then if anyone tells you, look here is the Messiah or there he is, don't believe it.
1: Okay. I was in a Bible study one time and they said exactly that. What? They said Jesus already come. Oh, yeah, classic. I'm like, really? Where is he? And they said, well, he came in 1914. I'm like, that's interesting. I haven't seen him. And they're like, oh, no, no, was a secret coming. Like, that's most convenient, isn't it? Uh, the Bible says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I've told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert; do not go there. Behold, he has come secretly. Believe
0: Don't it believe not. It. Yeah.
1: What is your translation? Don't say?
0: believe it. it uses Don't believe con- it. Contractions. It's a little yes. bit less
1: formal. It's in the secret chambers. Hmm. That's why you can't see him is because it was secret. It was a secret coming. The Bible says, believe it not. Mm. Okay, so there's, you know, the Bible clearly says that you know, there's going to be some massive deceptions going to take place at the end of time. Uh, verse 27, what does it say right there? For as the lightning flashes from the east and shines to the west, so it will be when
0: the Son of Man comes. Oh, amazing stuff.
1: Mm. Uh, go down to verse 30 and 31. We'll finish and off on these. Verse
0: 30 and 31, the Bible says, And then at last the sign of the Son of Man is coming, will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the heaven with great power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of the trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones all over the world from the farthest ends of the heaven and earth.
1: Fantastic. The promise of Christ's return.
0: You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And it is now time for... Question of the Day. So, we've had a question come in that was based on yesterday's Bible study, and, and we're looking at Revelation, we're looking at how we've got this Holy Spirit, He has seven different characteristics that we identified there, um, and essentially, if Sky is saying, hey, you know, you've got this Holy Spirit, it's got these seven different characteristics, we also see that there are gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit that all, also amount up to seven, super interesting, how do we discern those, how do we understand those?
1: Yeah, this is a good question. So what we've got to uh, differentiate first of all is between the seven gifts of sorry, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Mm. When the Bible speaks in Isaiah chapter 11 and lists seven different attributes, these are attributes of the Holy Spirit and when the Bible speaks about attributes of the Holy Spirit, it is God telling us about himself. It's the Holy Spirit telling us about Himself. It's God saying, "Okay, this is these are the attributes of the Holy Spirit." When the Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit, it is God talking about us, and it's God saying, "Okay, this is what I'm going to give to you, so that you can benefit others in the world." And so uh, that may not necessarily be the same as the attributes of the Holy Spirit. So the seven different attributes attributes of the Holy Spirit are listed in Isaiah chapter eleven. And, of course, the very first one of them is one of them that as human beings we can never share, we can never have, it can never be a gift. And that is where it says the Spirit of the Lord, which refers to the divinity of the Holy Spirit. We can never be God. Mm. Now, it continues on from there, and the rest of the next six, yes, we can have these as gifts. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And so... These are different uh, attributes of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit can share with us. Of course, divinity is one that cannot be shared. Uh, when we come to the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's interesting that, you know, if you uh, do research into it, you know, how many gifts of the Holy Spirit are there? Some say seven, some say nine, some say 20, uh, some say 22, some say 23, some say uh, 27. And there are probably others who have a whole bunch of different numbers out there. So your basic gifts are listed in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. That's basically where you're going to find your, your lists of gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're going to find about 20 different, uh, gifts that are listed right there. Mm. But then you've got some others that are mentioned in the Old Testament, such as the gift of craftsmanship that was given to Bezalel the gift of music that was given to several of the musicians of the whole te- of the Old Testament. And these are, se- these are clearly stated to be gifts of the Spirit. Um, and, of course, then you've got in the New Testament, you've got the Apostle Paul who was set apart by the Holy Spirit for foreign missions. And so you have another gift of the Holy Spirit there. Then you get into some of the more speculative ones. Uh, those include celibacy, hospitality, martyrdom, and poverty, where the Bible doesn't actually list it list those as gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, However, there is language associated with it that would indicate that uh, they may be gifts Mm. of the Holy Spirit. And so you've got a number there that are very, very clearly identified and a number that may be gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, the question then, then comes down is, okay, how do I find out what my gift is? How do I apply this to my life in a practical way? And I think for most of us, if we take it to God in prayer, that... God is going to reveal to us what our gift is and what our calling is. And some people are going to have more than one gift. Some people everyone's going to have a primary gift uh, that they're going to have and probably a whole bunch of other ones that they can use from time to time as well. And so my advice would be first of all, take it to God in prayer. Spend some serious time with God in prayer and saying, God, what is my gift? What is my calling? What is the contribution that you want me to make in, you know, in the world right now mm. for you? And for most of us, uh, it's going to be fairly obvious. The second thing is ask your Christian friends because a lot of the time they'll say, oh, that's so obvious. Your gift is da-da-da, and they'll just name it for you (laughs) because everybody knows except for you. Um, That's often the way it is with human beings. And then if failing that, you can jump online. There's a whole bunch of surveys out there that can be quite helpful in finding out what your gift of the Holy Spirit is. Mm. Um, So you can do one of those surveys and you'll Helps you to learn things about yourself and uh, your calling and what God has done for you. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.